This is Work of the Beat for Friday, February 12, 2021. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Give me what you can. Mr. Kerm will join us in a bit. So will our guest today. We'll talk some Phillies as spring training is literally less than a week away. Pitchers and catchers reporting a new spring training schedule has posted. Phillies will play close to their Clearwater home and the team surrounding them. A lot of Yankees, a lot of Blue Jays, a lot of Orioles and Pirates and Tigers. Oh, my. Uh, so to talk about where this team is. After what was a pretty good spring uh, offseason for them, at least on paper, Matt Breen from the Philadelphia Inquirer, our buddy in all things Northeast Philly, will join us to discuss that, discuss where they are in the grand scheme of things as the 2021 season apparently will get underway on time um, with, again, pitchers and catchers reporting next week. And I'm sure Matt is already booked and uh, ready to go to Florida at some point himself uh, to get a glimpse of of this crew so we'll talk about that mike and i and then we'll talk a little bit about the sixers who continue their west coast trip played really well i thought last night in, or thursday night in portland uh got a couple other stops coming up they go to uh, phoenix and san antonio before coming oh, i'm sorry uh, salt lake city before coming home uh for a bit so that is uh that, that is kind of the agenda today. Obviously, Flyers, let's update you on some other stuff. Flyers are still on pause. They won't play on Sunday night against the Rangers. Uh, Jake Voracek was also added to the COVID list. If you have missed that, it doesn't mean he has it, but he has at least close contact. So uh, him and Claude Giroux, both among the five Flyers who have been listed in that category so it'll be interesting to see flyers are a week away from going to um, lake tahoe for one of the big nhl showcase games uh one of their outdoor games against the bruins and suddenly now you know you gotta wonder flyers are scheduled to play again next thursday their camp is supposed to reopen again on monday so that is up the eagles have still not traded carson wentz uh, I'm going to go try. This will be the only mention of this in the podcast unless something happens between now and the end of the podcast taping where we talk about that. Uh, but no trade for Wentz as of yet. And uh, J.J. Watt gets released today by the Houston Texans. That will not affect the Eagles, no matter what some people say. I know how he loves compiling defensive ends. I don't think he can pick up J.J. Watt. If he, J.J. Watt's leaving to go get a ring, this ain't the place to go get it. So... Uh, those are the subplots as we uh, get started here next week. We're on Tuesday. I uh, have not lined up a guest as of yet. Uh, we're probably going to be a sixer type of guest as we move on. And uh, so we're um, we're interested in in kind of as we get in this in between stage where you know baseball is getting started, football is ended, March Madness not here yet. And as Mike has said in the past, and he's right, it's been tough to kind of get going on. Uh, on college basketball because it doesn't feel like it's a real kind of year uh, at this point. So that is uh, what we're going to talk about for today. But when we come back, Matt Breen from the Philadelphia Inquirer will join us. We'll talk and discuss as spring training, the Phillies get to go to Clearwater, my favorite place on earth, uh, next week. We'll discuss what the 21 season has in store for them. That's next as Work of the Beat continues Right after this. 
Spring training will begin next week with pitchers and catchers reporting full squad workouts the following week and exhibition games and the grapefruit league will get underway on the 28th. I believe it is of February and joining us now to preview all things Phillies to talk about their off season and where they go as we uh, head into this 2021 season, the fine beat writer from the Philadelphia Inquirer and Mr. Northeast Philly himself. Is Matt Breen. Matt, how are and you? Mr. Ve- and Mr. Vegan. Vegan. I was, I was doing great until you said I was just fine. That's like, I was told to never say anybody is just fine. Okay, like, okay. The excellent the beat writer. The excellent beat writer. One of the When your wife gets a haircut, Kev, and she's asked how it looks, don't say it was fine. That ain't good. <laughs> I don't have enough hair left to really matter, so it doesn't. So, um, no, he's talking about her haircut. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 I think mine. You can't well, say to her, it's just. She, you're my, going out on a Friday night, and she says, how do I look, honey? And you say, fine. Yeah. I don't know, Kev. Yeah, hey, I, Matt, after 38, year, after 38 years, she doesn't even ask me anymore. <laughs> it, it, it never even gets to that point. So I, I should point out my wife cuts my hair. That's why when you said, you know, how does it look, I, yeah. That's a fine haircut. That is a fine haircut. Yeah, exactly. Um, let, let me ask the obvious. One, are you ready for spring training? It feels like forever. You know, I mean, when you consider the last time you were in Clearwater was, uh, you know, before COVID or just as COVID was breaking. Um, how weird is it to kind of be planning on going back at some point here and and kind of start over again? I'm actually not going. Really? Yeah, we're we're going to try and do it virtually. Um, I, was, I figured that. I did. We, don't, we were. All, I mean, it's the company offered to, us to go. Like, I, you know, it's not their decision. It was just we don't we, we don't feel comfortable getting on an airplane and staying in a hotel. And Florida good for you. Rates are pretty high, and the company, to their credit, was very supportive either way. Whatever we wanted to do, and. We, we think we can provide, you know, adequate, you know, solid coverage from home via Zoom, and we hope that's the case. But and we'll be flexible if that's right. not the case, and we have to revisit it and go down. But as of now, you know, camp starts in about two weeks right. from now. It's like the first media availability, and we're, we're going to just try to do it all from home and hope we do a good job. Matt, you, hold on. Hold on, Mike. It was the boat parade, wasn't it, that put it over the top? When you saw the boat parade going through Tampa and Brady, you know, like drunk out of his mind, that's what decided for you guys. That made me want to go. I was like, damn, (laughs) now. Um, Matt, 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 if you were were vaccinated right now, and I know you're young, so you're probably, you know, further away, but would would you feel differently about it? Or or does that have nothing to do with it? Yeah, I would. Because so if I was. I'm not vaccinated, right. but I hope to be vaccinated eventually. But so if I'm not vaccinated, that means um, when I come home, what what do I do? I can't, you know, I, I can't come into my house because I, I won't know if when I come home from spring training right. that if I have it or not with my wife and son. So do I yeah, hotel right. for two weeks? Do I, you know, to take or wait to take a COVID test? But you can't take a COVID test the day you come home because it's not going to be accurate because you may right. have gotten on the airplane. Do, do you feel, are some of your other, are some of your other writer, like um guys from other papers that you talk to or whatever, 
are people actually going to go down to spring training to cover the Phillies? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's really it seems like everybody some people are definitely going, some people are up in the air, and some people okay. aren't going. It's just it's weird. Usually we have as of right now, I'm you know I'm counting down the days till I'm going to be there, and I'm, my flight's been booked, my condo's been booked, I'm planning out what my first meal is going to be down there. You know, we we love going down. It's yeah. part of it's not even it's not even a question. It's just every February March for the last six years. I've spent in Florida. So I'd love to be down there. I think the work down there is, is great. The, you know, the typical access you get and a laid back setting and you can pretty much do whatever story you want to do, you get done. And just this year is just different. It's not, the clubhouse isn't going to be open, but to the credit of the Phillies PR staff there, they said that they would, um, you know, do the best that they can to, to get you access down there. So it wasn't, to their fault that we're not going. I, I just, during the pandemic, I don't feel comfortable traveling. And that's my decision. You know, if the guy at the other website or newspaper wants to go, that's his decision. Everybody's making their own choices. And, you know, I think we just have to respect what everybody is doing. Matt, are you, sure. are you surprised they didn't, that the players, I know there's a financial aspect and they're bracing maybe for whatever's going to happen at the end of the year with the CBA. Are you surprised they didn't back up spring training a month given the trajectory is that things are starting to get better, more vaccines in, they would get the paid for 162 and the plan would have been the play 154. Are you surprised that baseball is going ahead with this as, as plotted out right now? When it's explained that way. Yeah. But it's not that simple. Like if you, if the players would have agreed to that, they would have had to reopen. It would have been a reopening of the CBA. And it's just they, they can't do that. So it's it's really complicated. It, it's And then you'd be playing 154, but in X amount of days and be crammed together with double headers and less off days. So you'd be asking, you know, it could be a toll on their bodies to do that kind of schedule. In, in a perfect world where you just write it up, like, yeah, that would be great to delay spring training by 30 days and everyone's going to be better. But when this is their livelihood and their careers and, you know, they have a really big, like, as you know, with after the season with the CBA expiring, you know, a really big negotiation coming up. And to, if they, if they were going to agree to that and that meant that they were going to reopen the CBA this right now, I think that would be, you know, a really complicated situation. So I, I think for them, they just have to go ahead, go through with it. And now you, you hope it works because you look around the, you know, the sports world right now, the NHL is falling apart. College basketball has been a mess. The NBA is a mess, and they're playing the same sports. They're playing sports in a pandemic just like baseball is going to. So it's going to be – it's not going to go smooth, as smooth as, you know, people might expect it to be. I think it's going to be a little messy. But the hope is that the um, vaccinations are coming, and, you know, by the second half of the season is a lot smoother than spring training in the first half probably are lined up to be. Matt Breen joins us. Matt, let me ask you along that line. The Phillies, and this kind of ties in in a way, the Phillies had expected to cut payroll pretty severely, you know, going into this offseason. I think we all, you know, we figured Real Muto probably was less than 50-50 to get signed, and obviously the market dried up for him, so that allowed him to come back. Uh, Gregorius the same way. They're going to be around $200 million, uh on the number, which is a lot closer to where they were than I think anybody thought. Did they project revenues being substantially better this year that allows them to 
not take as big a payroll hit as you would think? Yeah, well, they, they do expect to have fans at the ballpark. So, and they expect to play 81 home games, which is better than 60 games, uh, 30, 30 games in front right. of MC. And so then your TV contract is going to be paid per, you know, 162 game schedule. So you should make more money. But it also comes to the fact that I think Dave Dombrowski was hired here and he, he knows how to talk to ownership and to get ownership to buy into what he's looking at and, and to what he wants to do. And I think that, if, you know, if Dave Dombrowski is not here and, you know, maybe they, you know, they keep an, an interim GM for the year or they hire somebody of a lesser stature, I don't think they make all the moves that they made this offseason. I think it has a lot to do with him. But it, certainly they do not – they expect to make more money than what they made last year. Mike? Yeah. Matt, it seems like reading – to simplify it, the Phillies are basically coming back with their same lineup, more or less, uh, hoping that a few holes get filled and they've improved their pitching. Uh, now, where they've improved their pitching or not. Or, now, they're in a tough division. Um, what do you see – and this is real early now. I mean, we haven't been – what do you see as a realistic goal for this team? Should it be to make the playoffs? Because they should have made it last year. I mean, really. Um, what, what do you think if you're going into this season – their goal should be, and maybe a fan watching from the outside like we do, like our realistic expectations should be. I think the goal should always, it should always be to make the playoffs, especially if you have a payroll like Kevin just outlined. You know, if you're not making the playoffs, then that's a problem. But mm-hmm. how easy is that goal going to be? Probably not quite when, you know, the Mets are loaded up. The Nationals are two years removed from being world champions. The Braves have won three straight division titles. The Marlins won a playoff series last year. You know, it's it's going to be tough. But, they, yes, they did bring back the exact same lineup pretty much. But this is a lineup that produced last year was, you know, mm-hmm. ranks top ten in almost, you know, all the offensive categories that matter. Alec Boehm played half a year last year. He'll play a full season. Um, I don't think the lineup's a problem. The bullpen was historically bad. Most of those guys are gone. Or the one and the ones that pitch good, or we're only here for really the second half of the season. So the bullpen's a lot different. Archie Bradley is better than anything that they had out there last year. Um, they went out and even like their low risk um, options just seem better on paper than they seemed better uh, last spring. And I think there's hope that the bullpen, at the very least, the bullpen can't be any worse than it was last year. But I think you can hope that it'll be better. And the rotation. Uh, your top three guys are at least the top two are bona fide major league, you know, top of the rotation arms and Nolan Wheeler. Zach Eflin was awesome last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Zach Eflin at a number three, if he does that for a full season, then then he's right up there with those two. So you have three that you can point to. Spencer Howard was lights out in the minor leagues, had a really weird rookie season last year. I think he'll contribute. He'll be a lot closer than what he was in the minors and what he was last year. Um, Matt Moore was excellent overseas last year, has a track record of, you know, talent in the major leagues, um, has been hindered by injuries. He's finally healthy. There's at least hope that that's a guy that can turn his, you know, can, can he's going to be the first guy to come from Japan after having suggested Japan have success in the majors. So, there's at least hope that he can do be something at the back of the rotation. And 
Uh, I think there's there's a path right now for this team to reach October. It's it's hard because of what the other teams are, are in the, the mix. But there's this team, you know, since I've been covering the Phillies, I would say is probably the most complete team that, that I've, you know, since 2015 is the 2021 Phillies is the most complete Phillies team I've covered. And that's not saying they're pennant contenders or World Series champion on the horizon, but they're at least – you can realistically talk playoffs and then realistically talk about how difficult it's going to be. Is the biggest concern outside of the bullpen, is the biggest concern their defense? Because last year defensively, they were not good for stretches. And you are bringing the same lineup back. And now you're putting Segura at second, and you think Bohm's an upgrade a third, you know, for a full year than what Segura was at the beginning of last year. Um. And center field is a bit of a mess. Uh, are is defensively a big concern for them at this point going forward? Yeah, it's they're not a perfect defensive team, but I just think in like the modern game, you can overcome poor defense with because there's so much offense, so much depending on the bullpen. You know, because starting pitchers don't pitch long. So if you have a good bullpen and you're hitting well, and your rotation is keeping you in games, I think you can. You can overcome maybe if it's Andrew McCutcheon, his, he's a little bit slow in left field or center field's a mess, and, and hopefully center field is figured out defensively by the time the season starts. And, and you, you know that that's going to be a problem. You have six weeks in spring training to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And the infield, Alec Bohm has question marks at third base. Show, some, some nights you're like, yeah, that kid can play every day at third base defensively, and some nights – you're wondering if he's going to first base. Grounder. Right. Yeah, so I, defense is definitely – it's not their strength. But I'm not – if they miss the playoffs, it's not going to be because they're defense. Uh, you meant – go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Kev. No, go ahead. Uh, you mentioned center field, and, and there's a couple variables in center field as well. I mean, you got Quinn and you got Hazley. Canary is the super utility guy could end up in center field and may actually end up being their best option in center field. And then there's the Adubo Herrera thing, which is seems far-fetched for him coming off the 40-man to, to get back his old job um, if he's even invited to camp. Uh, you, Where do you see center field playing out? Like, how do you see this working out? And do you think this is a work in progress that maybe they look at filling in, in season if they're close to something? Yeah, because, I mean, if you're looking down the road at end season, if you're going to make a move and you're in the contention, that's probably the one move, barring injuries anywhere else, that's the one move that you would probably be able to move the needle at and add. But I think Scott Kingery is the everyday center fielder by May. Maybe opening day goes to Adam Hazley or Roman Quinn, but I think Kingery plays his way into that role. And it's just, there's really not, it's just, it's between the three of them, I, I can't see... Odubel Herrera playing center field. I just think it's, it would be such a mistake. Well, it's a crowded position now. Do you carry four yeah, center fielders, I, basically? Even if he – no matter what. I just don't – I think it would be a huge mistake to, you know, if he ever played a game again for the Phillies, for the organization. And I think they're they're too savvy and they're too aware of, um, you know, public perception and, and just and, – and I think that they have – you know, they have morals and values, at least, you know, historically. And I just don't think that that would go against so much stuff 
for an organization that's like a, a civic stakeholder and such a you know a big community partner that if they had a Dubois airplane center field, I just think it would be it would be bad. I, I really do. I just I'd be surprised if it happens. I'd be surprised if he's invited to spring training, but maybe he maybe he will be. It seems like it's still up in the air. But I don't know. I think it would just be a sad turn in Philly's history. For and I, I genuinely mean that 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 if he plays center field at Citizens Bank Park one day. Plus, he realistically hasn't played baseball since Memorial Day of 2019. So, I mean, it's a long, it will be a long layoff for him anywhere at this point. So, That's Mike, true. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, Matt, I'm wondering how good, you know, we look at the division. I remember over the years we'd look at the division and say, it's not that good. And all of a sudden, two months in, it'd be really good. And other years, you know, the Mets always seem like something happens to the Mets. You know, two pitchers go down before, like, May 1st or – Whatever. It's like uh, the Washington football team, like when they, they had the yeah. and stuff and they, and they were terrible. Like it really feels like like the Mets did a, had a great offseason, but they are still the Mets. Yeah, and I still think the Nats, their two best pitchers are getting older. I, I, I think they had their time two years ago, and that was great for them and all that. And the Marlins, I'm just not sure. I mean, maybe they're a team on the come. The Braves are, are legit. But do you think when all is said and done, this division is going to be as good as – some people are thinking it will because you can make the case the Phillies are the fifth best team. You can make the case almost any team except Atlanta could be the fifth best team. Or do you think it won't be maybe as strong as as we're looking at it right now? I I, I think I'd be surprised if, if if this becomes like an easy division. I think it's going to be really tough, mostly because of the rotations. You go to New York and you're facing three, four good starters. D.C.'s got three really good starters. Um, you know, the Phillies' rotation is pretty solid. The, the Braves' rotation is a huge question mark. And the Marlins have a lot of good young arms and a lot of good young players. So I think – I just think it's going to be a really tough NL East. And it's – it's I, I'd be, I would be surprised if the Mets – like, I, I know we've seen in sports where teams go out and spend a lot and they, they – you know, it get a, add a lot of new stars and, and it blows up. But I, I'd be surprised if that happens. Could three teams? Could three teams make the playoffs? Well, what is, is it? Seven? Pl- is it seven this year? They haven't said it yet. Really, it's going yeah, back like, to the old system. For uh, argument's sake, let's act like it's there's two wild cards. And I would say there's a chance that three, but it's so hard to have three because you're right, beating right. up on each other all season. So. I would think at least one wild card comes from the NL East. Yeah, and the other one's probably from the NL West between the Dodgers and the Padres. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Matt Breen joins us. In the arms they got this year for the bullpen, Coomrad, uh, Bradley, uh, a couple other other guys. It seems like they're going more power arms. Is that the Dombrowski plan, or is that just coincidental? I think that's just, you know, keeping up with, with the way baseball is going, that you can't compete. You saw last year you can't compete with a bullpen where you're throwing 93-mile-per-hour fastballs. You, you have to throw in the upper 90s. Um, you have to have not just one guy that throws in the upper 90s, but an arsenal of pitchers that throw hard. And that's what they seem to be putting together, you know, between the arms that they had and Jojo Romero and Connor Brogdon and, you know, Hector Neris throws in the mid nineties. He's mm-hmm. not, not 98, but he's, he's 95, 96. So you had some guys already 
that were that could throw hard. You went out and attracted some arms that can throw hard, and now you have a bullpen where Joe Girardi every night can can go to somebody that's going to throw 97. And and that's really you look at all the good bullpens in baseball. That's how they do it. They don't. There's no you know the 87 mile per hour side armor isn't really getting outs anymore. It's it's the 98 mile per hour fastball that that's getting you outs in the late innings. It, so Bradley is your closer, narrows for the eighth inning, and then matchups the rest of the way. Is that maybe where they're going to go on this or not? Uh, eighth inning's interesting because I haven't really thought about that because it's right now it's just your because the closer's not set yet. I, that'll happen in spring training, but ob- like odds are it'll be Archie Bradley. But it'll be interesting to see if they use a, like a traditional eighth inning setup, man. And if that's Naris, it would make sense that it would be. But or if they go I matchups, I don't, I don't know. Right. I'm, that's that's a good. That's something that's going to shake out, and you're going to find out as camp closes. And there's options for the back end of that bullpen by the by midseason. If I'd like to see Connor Brogdon or Jojo Romero emerge as a you know, and not just being a, just an arm in the bullpen, but to have a key role like the eighth inning, I, I think. That's something that you could see by, you know, May or June. Matt, last year they brought in Girardi, and obviously a lot of people were very happy because it wasn't the guy who was there before Girardi, but it seemed like the right move. And he wasn't playing with a loaded bullet, you know, having nothing. But at the end of the season, it seemed like some people were a little disillusioned. Didn't think maybe he had done as good a job as they thought Joe Girardi could do. Was that just a product? I mean, I still think the Phillies made a good decision to bring him in. But are we going to see maybe a little more from Joe this year in terms of making a difference now that he's got more to work with, hopefully? Yeah, and I think he's got – oh, he also has a 162-game season to work with, not just yep. a 60-game season played in the middle of a pandemic. Like, they played into what? A 60-game season that would end in, in June? Yeah. In normal season? So think about that. Like, that's all they played last year. It's, it's, such, it's weird to call it a season because it wasn't – it was 60 games. It was like an, a glorified a- a- exhibition. It wasn't even, you know, a full season. So it wasn't half of the season. And uh, I think it's tough to grade Joe Girardi on that, especially with all the the rules and restrictions of, you know, being around the, around the team, like to be a manager, to foster that environment. I, I think you'll, he'll get a more fair shot to do that this year. And because we had seen in spring training and in Clearwater, the vibe and, and what he was able to, you know, build with that team, it seemed like, you know, this team was on the verge of the playoff contention. And, and then. Well, they were, and, they did. Yeah, they, COVID <laughs> hits, they play this weird season and they, you know, they finish under 500, but right. I think it's a more fair shot in 2021 than it was in 2020. Well, the, the question, the question I would have is how much, how much of last season, and you know, the, we talk about the bullpen failures for last season, and that's the prime example. But Brian Price, you know, you had spring training, then everything stops until the first of July, and then you have like it's hurry up and rush. Brian Price really couldn't put, and, and he's a top pitching coach in this league. He really couldn't put any kind of a system together for these guys, or really work with these guys to improve them because it's such a a flat out sprint at that point, and that kind of blew everything to hell. Yeah, and you didn't have a minor leagues to dip into. Right. You only had an alternate site in Allentown. So usually a bullpen, you you can, over the course of the season, like you said, you can work into it. You can, you know, 
fine-tune some things, and you can also send guys to AAA to work on something, call somebody up who's having a good year in the minors. It was just a weird – of all seasons to have that happen, you don't want that to happen in a 60-game season. And once, once it – it seemed like once it went bad, there was no turning back, and it just got worse and worse every night. Let me ask you about the state of the sport. Um, Theo Epstein, when he left the Cubs – talked about how poor the game is in his mind because the action isn't there. Um, you know, it's strikeout. It's the three true outcomes, strikeout, walk, home run. Um, and there's been more complaints about that in the last couple of years. Do you, where do you see the game right now? I mean, it, it's tough to ask because you never hear complaints about length of basketball games or length of NFL games, you know. It's- Hicks dig the long ball, Kevin. Yeah, I get it, but it, it seems like no, the, I'm with you. Yeah. It seems like the sport right now is getting hammered for the style of play thing. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I and I don't know how to fix it. Um, you know, you look at the rules that they introduced last year of three batter minimum and universal DH, uh, extra innings with a runner on base, and baseball actually had the longest average game of all time last year so yeah i don't i don't think it's as simple as like just a rule change that can speed it up and maybe do you ban the shift but then that goes away like and i'm not not that i love the shift but i think baseball is great because of the strategy and now you're taking strategy out of the game it's such a complicated fix and Maybe it just comes down or, to the way the game's being taught. Or, it, or it, guys could or guys could learn to take the damn ball to the opposite field every now and again, and then they wouldn't exactly. shift as much. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's not rules or strategies. It's it's just the way that's being taught and what's being emphasized of hitting the other way and not every pitch, you know, you're trying to elevate for a home run. I don't I don't know. Or and and pitchers pitching the contact instead of pitching for strikeouts, but it's so the game is like so deep into those areas right now that it's not as simple as just like flicking the switch and turning it back. When back to the Phillies for a second, you know, their front office felt messy the last couple of years. It just felt like there was, I don't want to say a disconnect, but like McPhail would talk and that would piss people off. And Clintac became a lightning rod and obviously the Kapler stuff and all that. Does it feel like, and I know it's tough because you don't have the in-person contact that you normally would, but does it feel like it's a cleaner organization at this point with kind of a, a, a more of a, 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 a set path, if you will? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, Dave Zombrowski, you, you have to like what he's done this offseason. I think Sam Fold was, anybody that's been around the team the last few years knew that Sam Fold was a guy that was going to be on the, do some really big things in the game. And I, I thought that just wouldn't be in Philadelphia. I thought he'd manage somewhere else or be a GM somewhere else. So I think for the Phillies to be able to keep him and to elevate him, that's a win for the organization. And, you know, I think if this thing works out perfectly, that Dave Dombrowski is grooming Sam Fold for four years and then Sam Fold's elevated to, if it's president or, you know, president of baseball operations, whatever, that would be, a huge, you know, win for the Phillies. That's what it is. But right now, if you're a Phillies fan, I think you're you're confident that the organization's in good hands. With Dave Dombrowski has won almost everywhere he's been, knows what he's doing, 
Sanfold is, you know, regarded as one of the bright, you know, younger minds in, in baseball right now. And they have a team that has pieces, you know, it has stars on the team. And, and I think there's, there's a lot going forward, but a lot of people were, were really hopeful about Matt Clentap when he got hired. So yeah. things can change. And, but right now is, you know, February 12th, 2021, I think things look good, but, but we'll see, you know, I think you, you gotta, you gotta let it play it play out and see, see what, you know, the point, the big picture of the plan really is. Yeah. You know how you stop a disconnect? What? You win. Yeah, you make exactly. the playoffs and maybe a year from now or two years, you're, you're deep into the playoffs or, you know, and people won't care if they, I mean, it's been a decade and I think people are just, you know, and the flyers are getting better now. You know, the Sixers are getting better after stinking for a long, and well, the Eagles, we won't go there, but they did win a Super Bowl three years ago. I, I think it's as simple as that. You know, this franchise has only had a few periods in its history, you know, the, the late seventies, early eighties, and and the Charlie Manuel here, that's it. That's all we got. <laughs> and you know, they just want to be relevant, I think. And I think Dombrowski and Girardi will help them get there. Matt Breen from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, I'm glad he was able to join us. I'm glad everything's safe with you and the family. Uh, miss all you, miss seeing you guys. Uh, hopefully this year in person, everything will be back a little bit more than normal, and uh, we'll be able to get together at the ballpark soon. So, no more Zoom. No more. Are you anti Zoom now? <laughs> nah, I kind of like you? it. I've gotten used to it. Really. Yeah, I learned how to raise my hand. I, I, you know, honestly, I sat in on some of those press conferences. It got, it was tough to find the raise your hand feature at first for me. <laughs> it was. So you're telling me I, I you're telling me I couldn't find. No, you couldn't. You, you right. were, you were absolutely. I, I, I do like now being able to judge everybody's backgrounds. You know, yeah. You know, you know, Salisbury's in his little kitchen. Yeah, Zalecki's got his Robin Yount jersey in the back. That's you know, overrated. You know, that's Br- just people. That's people showing off for you. Gel, mm-hmm. Gel, that's what Gel, that is. Gel, Gelb has his book sh- bookcase of many fine mahogany books. And many books he never read. Exactly. I would, I would have a Jack in the Box poster <laughs> behind me. So, Matt, thanks a lot. All the best to you and the family. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll see you around the neighborhood here. So. I'll see you at Shoprite or something. Thanks a lot, Kev. No problem. Go hug, go hug your son. Yep. I will. <laughs> Matt Breen joins us, you. and we'll be right back on Working the Beat after this. Our thanks to Matt Breen for joining us here on Working the Beat as uh, we uh, draw closer. I always love spring training. It was, it was, it's my time of year. I admit it, and uh, you know a lot of. Because I think part of the reason, and you and I have disagreed on the impact on like, uh, part of the reason I think that I always love spring training was the idea that it was Florida in the winter. The restaurants in that area are incredible, and the Phillies happen to have the nicest spot going on for spring training. So, it was not to like. Yeah, yeah. There's I don't. Nothing. I don't blame you for wanting to go. You- but you did work hard down there. I mean, you guys. Oh yeah. That's what people. That's what people don't understand. You, you know, we all think it's a vacation, and you know, you guys, especially the guys like the Daily News, for a long time didn't have a Sunday paper. Obviously, never had. So our guys would get Saturdays off. You know, I'm not saying they didn't work on Saturdays because I worked on Saturdays sometimes if I was on the road. But you didn't have to. You didn't have to write something. Um, yeah, it's. Um, 
Yeah, but I'll bet you, Kevin, by the time you were down there for like three weeks. Well, like for see, the guys, let, for the let, guys let me went, let me clarify. The way it all, we didn't go. I didn't go the whole time. For right. a lot of my time, Randy Miller was our core beat guy, and I would go down for a couple weeks to help either the yeah. front end or the back end, and then come home. And that's different. Troops. Right. No, you went. No, you went to the NCAA tournament after right. that. Yeah, that's what you did. But I think for the guys who were there for like six weeks, let's say. Oh, it gets frustrating think, at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet you it does because anything you can do anything for six weeks. Um, you know, if the NCAA tournament was six weeks long, we'd be sitting there at week four saying, "Yeah, can can we see the finish line?" Uh, the three weeks is perfect. It's like boom, boom, boom. If you happen to get to the boom, the third boom. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're up here shoveling snow, and you're down there having a, you know, fried grouper sandwich at uh, what's uh, it? Uh, Frenchies. Frenchies. Yeah, so I mean, it's uh, hard to take about and you, that. It's funny you mentioned that because, like, I, I remember the the year Nova went to the final four, uh, won the national title in sixteen. So I went. Yeah, yeah, you have to say which national. Yeah, in sixteen, the title with us, the title with the title us, or the title without us. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I did Clearwater for two weeks. The funny part was I had it, it was right around the time I was going to get married, so I did Florida for two weeks, then came home, did the Big East tournament. Wasn't thinking I was doing the whole NCAA. Well, then no, I, you did the A10 tournament with me, and then I went to the A10 and did St. Okay. Joe's in the A10 final because I was up in okay. Brooklyn. Right, I was up in Manhattan, and they're like, "Gotta oh, stay over, do that." Then I went to. Um, we went home. We went right back to Brooklyn. Well, then we went right back to Brooklyn, and I was expecting to stay doing Philly, and not go to Louisville. Right, right. Because the regional right. was in Philly that year, and they're like, no, we want you to go to Louisville because obviously Archdiacono and Nova being a local story. So right. I went to Louisville, flew home after Louisville, was going to go Houston to Cincinnati, depending on opening day for the Phillies, was in Cincinnati that year. So I was going to, I was looking up Cincinnati to Houston flights for either Monday or Tuesday, uh, depending on when I came home. And they were like, you know what? Just skip Cincinnati and stay in Houston once they got to the national final. And the, so. the best thing of all that was we didn't have to cover the regional here because I, I did that a, a couple times. I, I've, I don't d- like I've done that. a regional here, yeah. Well, well, yeah, no, I, I should take that back. The 92 one with Duke and Kentucky was one of the best things I ever covered. So I can't knock that one. Um, but then the one – well, the Villanova was in the one in 09 – that was a little different because Villanova was in it. But, I mean, you know, we're down with Villanova in Louisville. I don't think we cared one iota about what was going on here because that was Carolina beat Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame yeah. in that. Well, I, did. And, and Notre, I cared. Yeah, sure. I cared. But, I mean, no, and Notre Dame had a local kid um, from the prep, I think, right, was you, on that team. You know, what, remember t- you know what was weird was we had the Saturday game on – uh, regional final weekend. Okay. Yes, we did. And I was the fly home, and my boss asked if I was still interested in doing Carolina Notre and Notre Dame Carolina. that night. It was like a seven o'clock game. I remember you telling me this. And I yeah. would have done it, except for my flight went into Allentown. Yeah. And our flight got delayed out of Charlotte. So I ended up missing it and just coming home. And it was also Easter Sunday. So I kind of wanted to get home and spend a little bit of time with my family. Plus it was like a month before I got married. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Hey, look, we had, we had good time. I mean, um, 
you know, the Kansas game was a, a it wasn't a great game. It was exciting, but, but it wasn't it, it wasn't well played, but it was exciting. Oh no, but it, it, and I said this all on. People said Villanova couldn't win that kind of game. They couldn't win that get down in the mud game. That was a John Cheney game. I mean, that was, you know, the final was like what 60 to 55 or something or I forget the exact score, but it wasn't much more than that. And Villanova, you know, came back from like five or seven down with like seven minutes to go after. And we're sitting there and, you know, they just, they did to Kansas what I'd seen Temple do to a lot of teams under Cheney, only not in the final eight. You know, we'd seen Cheney do it to teams earlier in the tournament. Um, You know, and then, then, of course, when they went to Houston, then they scored, you know, then they went back to being the Villanova we knew. Well, that was and the thing. the seventies and eighties. That was the thing. Like I can remember, I can remember four of the six games pretty vividly of that. They blew Iowa out. They blew Miami out, which Miami is pretty good. Miami was very good. That I thought Miami had a chance to chance beat to win- them. Yeah, I really did. The Kansas game was exciting. It wasn't well played, but it was exciting. And and you know, yeah. Look, I remember nothing of the Oklahoma game. Nothing except they just bludgeoned them at the beginning of the second half. That's all. all I, this is what I remember about the Oklahoma game. We had six people there because the Inquirer and the Daily News were kind of together. Right. And so Joe was right in the lead, and there was five of us. So, you know, and I was always the person, look, you guys all pick. I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. And I meant that. You know, it was Bob Ford, you you figure out what you wanted to seal scheme Ford were the columnists. Girardi was probably going to do something because he was really, really good at doing some kind of analysis thing. And Mike usually came up with an idea that he wanted to do. And, and okay, and I'm just sitting there. I'm the last guy. Nobody picked Josh Hart. No. I'm sitting there like four minutes ago. I'm, as I said, are you guys sure? Right. I asked. I remember I asked like three times. No, no, no. I had Josh Hart. And I remember he was the best player on the court that night. Yeah, he was. On, on a game when Buddy Heald was on the court and did nothing. And it was great. I went back, to, you know, and I, I had Josh Hart. And I remember I asked him that question. He goes, we don't have any stars. And, and he was absolutely right. Except but, the fa- you know, Chris Jenkins was was really good. Um, Arch was really good, obviously. Ochefo was really good. They had Brunson and and and, um, and uh, the other guy, uh, uh, oh, the guy that got taken is McKeel Bridges. You know, they were freshmen who were, who were playing their roles. And then Booth. Had the great game in the championship, but he was absolutely right. Yeah, and Josh was the they, star. They, they had no stars, but they have like six guys who ended up collecting an NBA paycheck. Exactly, and that's exactly what I wrote. And, and what, I had the easiest story. I don't know what the other guys. Did. I had the easiest story. And afterwards, we went out to dinner, I guess, or whatever the hell we did. And the funny, and I looked at everybody. I said, "Thanks, <laughs> and <laughs> thanks, the, thanks for giving me Josh Hart." I mean, <laughs> and the funny part was, if you would look at that list of people that you thought, well, maybe could. Perhaps uh, get an NBA check or an NBA deal or whatever. I thought there was a shot Jenkins because he was just the guy who could flat out shoot would end up on somebody's G League roster or something. And he didn't. And uh, I'm surprised. I, I never. I was never really sold on any. I mean, obviously Jalen became the national player of the year. So I mean, and and but and I remember at the time they were talking about McKeel as they were projecting him to be that good. I didn't quite see it yet because at that time he was a defensive guy who then got an offensive game later right. in his career and, you know, it was a lottery pick, obviously. But uh, I never thought Arch – I mean, I thought Arch did a great job just playing in the NBA for a while. Same with Daniel. Um, and Josh is still playing in the NBA. So, I, 
you know, but that team, just the way, you know, we were there. I mean, it was, you know, you watched it come together. You watched it. Um, the team two years later was just different. They were, they were just, they were the best team. <laughs> I don't think that, you know, you had called that like three months before. They were just the best, best team, team. Yeah. with the best player. Yeah. Um, although he didn't do anything in the championship game because of foul trouble. And then the other guy, but the team in, in, in 16, we weren't sure. No. You know, I mean, we weren't, they had lost in the second round. You know, I didn't think they were going to lose Iowa because Iowa wasn't that good at that point, but they could have lost to Miami. They could have lost to Kansas. They could have lost to Oklahoma. They could have yeah. lo- yeah, lost any of those last four games. And there was only one, really, when the two of them that they could have lost was the Kansas and the Carolina. They blew the other two teams out. So yeah. um, uh, and it was fun because they hadn't done, you know, the 18 team was just doing what they'd done two years two earlier. Years earlier. Uh, and honestly, but, even this year, if they went and, and won a national championship this year, look, they're not the odds on favorite. That's Gonzaga and Baylor. But, but they're one of the teams. They're one of the four you would put right there. Maybe well, I go like seven or eight. If you right, like yeah. I mean, I think the betting odds. The last time I looked, they were either fourth or fifth behind Michigan, Gonzaga, Baylor, and, and Michigan. And Michigan's good, but Michigan's also a flavor of the month kind of team. You know, uh, you know, f- when I talk to Phil Martelli, he, he thinks they're pretty good. Now and? that could be Phil just talking as an assistant coach, right? Um. I don't know. I haven't seen them enough to really know. I know Baylor's good because I saw them last year against Villanova in, in early in the season in Myrtle Beach, and I even said, you know, me and Tony Leodora, and this team's pretty good. Yeah. Um. I don't know how much they have back from last year. How you know, and Gonzaga obviously is, but would it shock me like if Villanova? Look, first of all, we don't even know what form the tournament's going to take. Or right. You know, but would it shock me if Nova was playing real late in the tournament? No. <laughs> but actually, then again, would actually, it shock you if they went out before, early? Before we move on, I do want to ask this. The NCAA announced the tournament windows, uh, the schedule pretty much. And the only thing that's moved right now is they're doing Friday through Monday for the for the weekends. Uh, they're not going to do Thursday. Thursday. So when are they doing the women? Because the women never play the same day. I think yep. I think they may be doing them Saturday through Tuesday. Okay, because the women were always Friday through Monday. Right. They're doing okay. Saturday, they're doing Friday through Monday because the first four is going to be in um, the first four is going to be in um, uh, in Indianapolis and that's going to be all four games on Thursday. And they they are, are doing a first four, okay? Yeah, I wasn't sure they were going to. Okay, they're going to do a first four. They're going to play the four games all on Thursday, starting at four o'clock. Okay, and then um, move on. So it'll be interesting. And you and I have talked about this with conference tournaments. Uh, a couple of conferences have, are up in the air whether they're going to hold them. Uh, they may just reward the team that won their regular season title. Uh, I have no, the, I have no problem with that. The way I look at it is this: if you're not going to have fans there, which yeah. I'm assuming most of them want, yeah, then you're not going to make that money. Now you'll make your TV money, which I guess is fairly substantial. Um, that's all coming from ESPN, I suppose. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I I'll put it this way, if I was a conference that knew I was getting, you know, these Holy five bids. or six teams in. Yeah. Would I want to jeopardize that? But then the other way of looking at it is your conference. You're supposed to look out for all your members. So if the team that's sitting there that maybe needs a win or two wins to get into the tournament might look in at you and say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. You, you know, this isn't fair. This isn't 
there's no simple answer to any of this. No. Um, you know, it, it, it's, you, you do the, you do what you think is best and hope that it works. I just hope that the pandemic that now we've gotten through baseball, we've gotten through basketball, hockey, and football. And there were blips along the way for sure. Right. Um, and there were blips going on now, but I don't want it to be, you know, I hadn't even thought about this till Max said this, but last year was a 60 game baseball scale. I, I, it, like I've forgotten that, which that's not even a third. That's a third of a season, maybe, or a little more. Uh, I hope that the tournament is not impacted by COVID. I just really do. I, I think that would be a shame. Um, you know, if there's two or three or four teams or whatever right. that somehow it impacts, because I don't want to see it come down to that. You know, if it's just one team, maybe that wasn't going to win it anyway, you say, okay, you know, that happened. But, um, and if, since everybody's going to be out in the same city, it just strikes me that if something does happen, it, you know, you could be stopping things. So I don't know. Um, let me get to the Sixers. Uh, lost last night in Portland on the West Coast. Um, really good game, though. Well played. Uh, you know, Embiid, Embiid was stellar. Uh, Simmons was great. Uh, you know, one-on-one on this trip. They still got trips to Phoenix and uh, Salt Lake City uh, on it. Uh, we're about the quarter pole. Um, you know, kind of where are they in the East, do you think? No, they're, right now they're one of the best two teams, probably them in Milwaukee. Uh, and it might stay that way till the, through the regular season. But, you know, I mean, look, teams are having problems. Miami's had problems. Jimmy's missed a lot of games. Toronto's finally did what maybe we thought they were going to do last year. And that's probably because they're playing in Tampa. Well, and, and I, I mean, was just going to say, and now they're going to play in Tampa the whole season. Yeah, so, so they're not probably going to do it. I mean, Indiana, they're a good team. Boston, you know, who knows about Boston's Boston? Boston's mediocre right now. Right, but, you know, we still have, you know, ways to go. And, and I mean, should the Sixers probably finish either one or two? Yes. I think it would, at this point, if the Sixers finish three or four, I think it would be disappointing. Mm-hmm. So if you're one or two, or maybe even three, you you got a shot, I mean, to get through to at least the final. Well, and plus, um, and plus they... I mean, they've played well with their full lineup. I mean, that's obviously, right. the, I mean, you know, last night was the first night they lost, I think, with their full lineup. Um, right. But here's the question, Kevin. Will, like, we know what Embiid, you know, what Embiid is. We know what Simmons sometimes mm-hmm. is with, the, with the, the injuries or the little, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to, but that's the concern to me is that can, you know, can you go through a 20-some game run if it comes to that? Yeah. And have the, those guys play all 21 games or 20, yeah, whatever you play. Um, I don't have an answer to that. I mean, because obviously, Embiid, if the MVP voting was done right now, he probably finishes second. Right. Behind LeBron. Um, and that's saying something because, there were, you know, Luka was touted before the year as being MVP guy. Giannis obviously won it the last two years. And by the way, Giannis walks like every time he touches the ball. Yes, does anybody does. else except me notice that? No. Um, it's amazing. Uh, who else am I leaving out? There's, uh, I mean, Durant's had a really good year. He hasn't, you know, he's missed some games, but coming off that Achilles, oh yeah, the Nets. The Nets are the third team. I mean, they're the team that everybody's yeah. going to sit there and say, can their offense overcome their defense? We won't. We'll, we'll find out, I guess. But 
you know, if the Sixers finish one, two, or three, then I think that's been a successful regular season. I would agree. You know, but this team's going to be measured by, you know, if they if they finish second or third or first and lose in the second round, nobody's going to care. I agree. I agree. I mean, they're right now, they're playing well, but they've done this in the past, and I think that's a one warning sign is that you have well, to. Well, they didn't do it last year. Well, but they've. Did the, they they've had stretches in this group's run while well, the right. Simmons and Bead run. One thing is, I think right. they're better coached, and I think even the game last like last night. Well, they had different teams too. Yeah. I mean, the team three years ago had the two Bellinari and and the other guy that they got at, at late. Um, they also had Covington and Sarge too, right? And they, so that team was a different team, and then the team with Jimmy was obviously a different team. Mm-hmm. I still think, like, if you're asking me right this minute. I would take the team with Jimmy. Now, that's me, um, because you still had um, you still had um, the guy they got now that they kept. It, who am I thinking? Tobias. Yep. You still, and, and you know, and that team, like I said, came within you know whatever they came within of maybe beating Toronto with Joel missing a game or two in that series, or not. You know, he might have played, but he wasn't Joel. Right. Um, that team was a really good team. Yeah, well, I think people kind of underestimate. I don't know if they would have beat Milwaukee like Toronto. I don't know. Maybe they would have. Maybe they wouldn't have. But if they'd gotten to the finals, hey, look, maybe they would have still lost to the Warriors. Even yeah. But with all those guys the Warriors had getting hurt, I mean, that team was really close to maybe winning it. Yeah. Um, but this team, look, you're right. You got the coach, and the coach, you know, obviously the center's bought in. Yeah. Um, I think I think Ben's, Simmons Ben's is buying. You know. Simmons is what Simmons is. Mm-hmm. So we we could sit here until 2030. We're never going to be talking about the Ben Simmons that we want to see. But he does so many things on the court that can help you win. You just hope that he doesn't have those games where he only takes four shots. And I don't think there's going to be many of those games. Um, Tobias is playing like almost an all-star. And then again, it's going to come down. You know, if Curry's shooting 50% from three, I, I mean – they 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 have they have the kind of team I'd like to see him get more from Maxi. Yeah, he's went you know, but um, the other guy off the bench. I mean, Mil, Mil Shake Milton. I mean, he's providing them something. So I, you know, look, I think it's going to be fun to see this team evolve over the next three months and see what they can do if it comes down to playing the Nets, playing Milwaukee. Maybe they got to beat both of them. Yeah, you know. So I'm looking forward to it. I I think all the people that have gone, you know, I mean, the process is so far behind us now. I don't even that's, think about that. That's four years removed from the process. So um, we're almost out of time. Uh, obviously, this is a big weekend uh, in a sense of it's Valentine's Day weekend. Michael, have you uh, planned what you're uh, getting your wife for Valentine's Day? I got her some flowers and a, and a stuffed animal. Um, because our anniversary is two weeks from now. Okay. So usually on the anniversary, I'll get her the dozen roses or whatever. Um, and she, she's, yeah, we've been married 38 years and I know that sounds whatever, but she don't, she don't care if I got her anything. And in a normal world, we would probably go out to dinner somewhere, exactly. which we're not going to do. Um, and her hip was really bothering her. The hip that she's got to get operated on in a month was really bothering her last night. And we have people coming in doing our bathroom right now. And it's a long story. I don't know, but we we had a drip because of a thing. So I was up all night dealing with that. 
And it was just, you know, and she just kind of looked at me and I looked at her and, um, hey, I'll say happy birthday to my daughter-in-law, Jenny, who is uh, expecting our granddaughter, Olivia, in about four months. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't get, I was never a big vet. Like I don't want anything for Valentine's day. Like don't get me a, yeah, we'll go out to dinner. That's what under normal circumstances, that's what we would have done. We would have went, you know, for our anniversary, I think last year was it? I think we went to, um, Fleming's and got oh, a real okay. nice steak. Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't do that a whole lot, but there's certain, and that's one of the times we usually do, but not, I don't think this year I don't, we, although I guess in Jersey, I guess it's open, right? It is, and Philadelphia is back to 50, I think, percent. Yeah, I mean, they got the Flemings down on 73 because that would be the one that we go to. But we, we've done such a good job with not eating out, and we're, we're, we're in line, I think, to get the vaccine in a couple weeks or so because that's what the shop right told us. So I just can't see us taking the chance. Right. I would like to. Well, know, but, this time last year I was in D.C., we went down for Valentine's weekend in D.C. because my wife loves okay. D.C. Uh, and I love. Nice, did you have a nice meal? Yes, we did. We went to the Matchbox, yeah. which is one of our favorite places. We got really good brick oven pizza and okay. Um, we walked around and all that. And this was right, obviously, before COVID got going. So it's really our last trip together uh, since then. Um, this well, year, hell, I haven't made. We haven't made a trip since. Um, August of 2019. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just, that's just the world. It's like, oh, yeah. We went down, um, we took the train, actually. We took the train. It's a good way to go. We took the train back and forth, and we actually parked in Wilmington, so it wasn't as expensive. Um, but see, here's the problem. When you take the train, you can't stop at Chaps, Chaps Pit Beef no, on the way back. it did not. But, of course, you could stop at Chaps Pit Beef in media. That is true. On the way home. That's true. I got to tell you something. I and I've come to this conclusion. I need a vacation so bad. I know. I, I, I'm supposed to go to Myrtle Beach the last week in June with her best friend, um, and, and we didn't go last year. I'm hoping that we're going to go this year. I think we will, but I, I, I just need a vacation. I, I need to be like in Clearwater this week or somewhere. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and wherever, but then when you think about it, do I really like Matt was saying? Do I really want to go somewhere where people are just walking around without masks and I'm in a hotel that, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're doing everything they can to keep it clean and everything, but, and I'm going to go to a restaurant. It's just, I want to wait until I feel comfortable, which I'm hoping will be by the summer. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Uh, what was the other thing? Uh, did, I, oh, did you have any, um, are you, were you, are you, did you have any repercussions with your shot or were you okay? Um, I had my first shot, I should say, on Tuesday night. Uh, some of you may know that from Wednesday's podcast. The only thing that hurt was the area. Like, the they inject in the, with Moderna, they go high muscle in your arm. Right. And that area was a little sore for about a day or two. You took some aspirins or something? Or, or no, I just, no, I just kind of let it go. There was no fever. Okay. There's no nothing. Now, I've heard on the second shot, that's the more... Right, severe reaction. But it wasn't like I mean, it was just like like a sore muscle kind of thing on the first one. Yeah. Now I've heard on the second one you'll hear more. You'll be more lethargic. You may have a fever. Right. Right. Uh, but no reaction otherwise. My wife is actually scheduled for a couple of weeks from now. Uh, okay. Uh, as of now, and uh, but 
As far as this Valentine's Day, I got her already her uh, Steven Singer roses, the uh, the yeah. gold I got, ones. I got one of them. How many did you get? I got two. Two. Okay. I, one year I got yeah I got her one of those. I didn't get it from Steven Singer. I got it from somewhere else. But yeah, uh, we got. It's a tradition. I've been like she now has six of them since we've been dating. Different colors. Different colors. There you go. Uh, and uh, what? I got her another gift, which uh, I now I'm blanking out on. Oh, she wanted something on QVC, like a uh, cro- like a slow cooker kind of deal. So hell, you could have came to me. I think we got an extra one. Oh well. Uh, and we are getting dinner on tomorrow night. We're going to get dinner and uh, as a takeout kind of thing. Uh, we're going to get an Italian place. Uh, under Ralph's. No, I think we may go Georgine's actually on this one. Georgine's, okay. Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually, you know, now you got me thinking. You know, maybe tomorrow we could do Ralph's. Because I haven't so, been to Ralph's in a while. Um, Ralph's Ra- is always a good idea. Ralph's is Ralph's is awesome. Uh, we had Ralph's a couple weeks ago, so we may just do Georgine's to mix it I up. I also have a know. guy in Bristol, um, place called. Um, Oh, what the hell's the name of that place? Um, Caesars. Yeah. Um, and Caesars guy is, is a really awesome. good guy. What's that? Caesars is awesome. Yeah, he, and he, he's a really good guy. His name's Donnie, and he, he hasn't done it in a while, but he made he, he made Brajol a couple times, and he would text me and say, you know, we got Brajol, and it was outstanding. <laughs> but everything up there is good. I mean, we've had – my wife loves the pizza. Um, He's got good sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's got good stuff. I mean, he, he, he really does. The gr- that's, that's only like 15 minutes. That's, gr- that's right near Georgines. I mean, yeah, it's not it far is. from Georgines. Uh, the great Ray Delisio, uh, who was the longtime assistant sports editor at the, uh, Bucks County Courier Times. Yes. Um, uh, he lived in Bristol. He still lives in Bristol. I shouldn't say he lived. Uh-huh. He lives. Uh, and he was big. One of my first nights at the Courier when I had come over from the Intel. He took me to George, uh, to Caesars, and it was like, "Oh my god, this is so good!" Like, yeah. and he was right; it was it was well, awesome. My dad spent about three years or so in a um a home up there that was only uh, half mile, mile from Caesars. So, you know, we go up to see him, you know, every week, and and every week that's usually where we ended up. Yeah, and um, you know, never got sick of it, and then. Um, then we went up there a couple times for like lunch. The sandwiches were almost better than the platters yeah. that we would get for dinner, and um, everything they do it. They do a great um, chicken pastina soup. I don't think they call it chicken pot. I think they just call it chicken, um, ah, whatever they call it. But it is it is awesome. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I became friends with the guy, and. Um, I, 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 his brajol, man. I mean, if you like brajol, um, it, it, it was outstanding. I, see, now I'm hungry. And, and I got, I got to tell you, and I'll, I'll throw this out before we go to say goodbye. Um, my favorite restaurant, besides Ralph's, Ralph's is tops and everything, but it's a favorite of mine and my wife. And I'm going to miss it this year because I'm not going to get the clear water. It's going to be Vilgalachi. Down on Indian Rocks Beach, which I don't is, think I ever. Yeah, I don't because um, oh, we weren't there that is, long. It was. It is incredible. 
You it know what? Is. I think somebody might have recommended that, Kevin, but I think we that couldn't probably was the line me. or something. Um, yeah, somebody, took, a couple people. I mean, we went to Frenchies, obviously. Um, and I like the Beachcomber. Beachcomber's um, good. Palm Pavilion is good. Don't think I ever ate the Palm Pavilion. Palm Pavilion's great if you just want to get there about, especially like if you're later in the spring, if you want to get there around 7, 15, 7, 30 and watch the sunset on the beach. At Clearwater okay. Beach, it's awesome. Uh, Frenchies has a couple locations. I always favored the original. Uh, the Beachcomber is good. I was there once. Uh, E&E Steakhouse, which is a little further down, but l- my favorite of all time is Villa Galachi and um, um, uh, my buddy Luigi, who takes care of everybody down there. So uh, if you're if you are in Clearwater or are going to Clearwater, may I give a a kind plug for Villa Galachi? Uh, I ever tell you to beat my Beachcomber story? Oh, go ahead. And this is like, this is a long time ago. This, this is back in early 90s. I don't know, whenever. So we go to the beachcomber because people had said, you know, you should go, and, and they told me to get the chicken. They were famous for that chicken thing, like a roasted chicken or something. So, okay. Right. And we're sitting there and we're eating. And there's a gentleman next to me, you know, older gentleman. And all of a sudden, he, somehow we got into a conversation. I don't, maybe I said Philadelphia. I, who knows? Turns out it was Alan Lewis. Really? The, the Hall of Fame writer. writer. From the Inquirer, I believe, right? Yeah. Okay. And he had, he would retire down there. He, he lived down there. And, man, we must have sat and talked for like 45 minutes. And it, it was amazing because I'd never met him before. I didn't know who he I mean, I recognized his picture. You know, when I saw his face. I, I kind of recognized the picture. But that's why I always liked the beachcomber because I said, yeah, I sat, I sat next to Hall of Fame Alan Lewis for like two hours. And, and the great, and you know this from being down there. The great part about Clearwater is you can go every night of the week for uh, two weeks to a different spot, and you wouldn't have a bad meal. And, no, and you have no. and you have Lenny's obviously for breakfast. You have oh yeah, oh god, Lenny's was good. You have Lenny's for breakfast. They have Capagna's dugout for which is a pizza place that's good. That's actually in Clearwater, not Clearwater Beach. Um, you know, they, and, if, and if you get tired of, if you get homesick, you got, you got a Wawa, you got a major Wawa there. So, well, we, we, we made sure we went to Sonny's barbecue. Um, we had to drive like 15 minutes, but we found one of those. And then the one day we drove up to the place, it's about 15 miles North, the Greek town, yeah. where all the Greek people are. I can't remember the name of it. And there's some good restaurants up there. And, Dunedin, like, um, and Dun- I should say Dunedin has some great restaurants too. Yeah, I never, yeah, and you always tell me that Dunedin's really good. Dunedin's um, really nice. Yeah, I mean, I don't look, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to Clearwater. I mean, I might, hopefully. I, But I, I just really, like, Clearwater's a place, I know you've talked about this, that's a place I could see myself, like, living. Oh, I, if, my wife know. and I have already talked about it. When we, look, obviously we both have parents who are, you know, older and alone. Uh, both my mom or both my dad and Bess's dad have, have passed away, unfortunately. But so we're up here. We want to take care of them and we want to be around for them because we're, you know, you know, primary, we're close to both of them. Uh, but when we get a shot to retire, we're going to move the, we're going to move to Clearwater. There's no doubt in my mind. Just make sure you have a guest room. Um, <laughs> One, you know those shows that are on where you know, I want to hit a lottery. I want to hit a lottery and get something on Clearwater Beach, but that's me. Well, the, you know those shows where you go buy homes. They take couples, yeah. you know, and, and okay. And I don't know what this was like if it was buy anyway, but they were in Clearwater, and they were actually this is a couple of years ago. They were actually I think in Clearwater Beach, 
And these people found this home. And I'm watching the show. And the price was only like $250,000. And I'm and this home was like really nice. Um, you know, it was like a block from the beach or two blocks from the beach or whatever. And I'm looking at my wife. I said, you know, we could afford that. Like if we sold this house and him, but they had a problem. They had the property bubble pretty much blow up and back about a decade ago. So there yeah, are I'm some sure now that houses. house is 500,000. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, you, you know, I mean, three, it's up. It's probably three fifty. Yeah. Are taxes high down there? Uh, there's no state income tax, but there is property tax. So yeah, but I don't get income up. So although I guess I do get income because when I get money from, I don't know how that works. It's um, it's but I could see myself being in clear, and I think the worst part of me being in Clearwater would be the month and a half that all the spring training was there, because I imagine the rest of the year. It's even better in, because it's less crowded, in less fairness, In fairness, I've been there in late June, early July. It gets awful muggy. Well, well all, that's Florida, yeah. Kevin. I mean, if you're anywhere you move, and that's on the water. Yeah. I mean, I've heard stories that if you live inland in Florida, where you can get property a lot cheaper, yeah. you're going to die three months of the year. Yeah. Uh, it's just the way it is, but my wife, that's why my, people have pools. Right. My wife has air conditioners. My wife has talked about going towards the Orlando area, and I um that's one thing for me. No, that's a no. Uh, you don't want to be. I I'm telling you, I was in Orlando about four or five years ago, like for a golf kind of thing. The traffic is nuts. Nightmare. It's the a nightmare. Toll, the tolls are nuts. Yeah. Um, and I know the town. I know people that live near Orlando, but and I don't know. I, I think if you're going to live in Florida, you have to live somewhere near water. Yeah, I agree. Not right on the water. Espe- somewhere especially, near water. Especially in Orlando when you get near Disney and you have the Disney traffic and all that. Oh, it's, no, it's, yeah. thank you. I'll tell you what's nice down there, what's really nice. And again, I don't know how affordable thing. Fort Myers and Sarasota. Sarasota is very nice. So, yeah. And and I don't know if they're real expensive. I have, I have no idea. Fort Myers um, is a haul. Right, but that's okay. If you're down there and you're living, yeah, you know, I, I know. mean, as long as you have, if you're going to be flying a lot, as long as you have access to the the Tampa or the Sarasota airport. Um, but obviously, if I move down there, I'm not going to be flying a lot. Probably, mm. you know, if I come home, I probably drive most of the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know, and Tony Leodore has moved down there, and he lives somewhere near Sarasota, but then he has a place on Anna Maria Island, which is expensive. And I mean, he's a block from the beach, and I mean, it's just you know, you walk out there and you're on the beach at night, and it's it's you know, I've, beautiful. I've, I've wrestled between Clearwater and Myrtle Beach, and I'm kind of leaning more towards Clearwater. So, well, here's the difference: in your summers in Clearwater are going to be hard, right? But your your winters are going to be better. Yeah. Um, and Myrtle can get hot in the summer. It can. I mean, I, I've been down there. Um. And your winners, like, you know, right now, I mean, I know somebody lives in Orlando. And the other day, she called me, like, last week. We were talking. And she said, it's 45 down here. It's freezing. Yeah. And, of course, I had to say to her that it was 30 up here. But, you know, it can get – you see those pictures of the Christmas parade from Disney. Yeah. You know, those people have jackets on and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying you'll never wear a jacket in Clearwater. No. I don't mean it that I've, way. I've but. worn jackets in Clearwater, right? You know, for you wear it like until about ten o'clock in the morning, and then you take it off. So, 
You know what you're not wearing in Clearwater or Myrtle? Ski gloves. Snow, snow boots. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> all right. You know we're supposed to get some, some uh, bad ice. I know. I know. We're supposed to get ice tomorrow. We're supposed to get ice Tuesday. We're supposed to get ice. Do you, do you remember the one in 94? Yeah, that was bad. I couldn't walk up my street. Yeah. I remember I tried to go out in the morning because I figured I had to get the kids to school or, my, or whatever I had to do. I walked up, I kept sliding, and I just walked in the house and said, "You're not going. Nobody's going anywhere." No, you know they had a seventy car crash in Fort Worth. I saw the actually, I saw the video of it. It was oof. oh, I didn't see the video. Oh, it was bad. So yeah, uh, well, I, I just will stop staying for two days. So next week we're we're early in the week at some point. Uh, it's kind of a more of a floating target this week with everything going on. You know, actually nothing going on. So uh, hey, if nothing's going on. Just do one next week. Yeah. And uh, we'll get in touch. I, I want to talk Sixers. Maybe we'll try to reach out to Pompey or or or, uh, or, or Bodner. Or, uh, are they are they back from their road trip by then? That I got to check. I would imagine they would be. So they maybe, have two more games. So right. um, I don't know. So they'll probably get back by like Wednesday. Yeah. Somewhere like that. So yeah. and so that's it. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. Yep. All right. All right, th- enjoy your valent enjoy your valentine enjoy dinner at um wherever. i like that place yeah. actually yeah georgine's so yes. our thanks to matt breen for joining us and uh our thanks to you for joining us have a great valentine's day weekend we'll talk to you next week this has been working the beat well you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine park